You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everyone? And thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the QB Factory brought to you by SV Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. In case you guys are wondering why you haven't heard us on our normal recording date, it's usually on Tuesday that our episodes release, but we switched things up a little bit. You're going to hear us on Wednesday afternoon, but you know, we didn't forget about you guys. We're still here. Senior Bowl week is completely in the book, so we're going to dive into all of that this week. The national team did defeat the American team 20 to 10. And on today's episode, we're going to recap some of the takeaways from Senior Bowl. Who were the standouts? Did any of the QB prospects uh, boost their draft stock? We're going to dive into all of that. But first, I'm your host, Rachel Perrette. I am joined by the one and only QB expert, my amazing co-host, Mark Schofield. And we have a very special guest on today's episode, National Scout for the Draft Network, Damian Parson. So, First and foremost, before we even get started, Damien, thank you for joining us. We are so happy to have you. To my understanding, you have a new podcast coming out. You literally dropped this on Twitter today, The Talent Factory. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's uh, me and my guy, Keith uh, Sanchez. We, you know, two of the kind of, I would say, newer members of TDN. Keith started a couple months before I did. And uh, one of the main things is, was his idea. He, He has a background in recruiting he helped recruit you know you look at guys like Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow he was there a part of that coaching staff part in, a part of that personnel um, team at LSU when they won the national title so he has a national title ring he has that championship pedigree and he's an overall just knowledgeable dude he one of the best in the business and he's under, he's he's kind of unknown you know deal, being in office he wasn't on social media like that, so now this is kind of his moment to just kind of spread his his wings and let everybody know who he is. So we're going to be talking college football, uh, sitting down with coaches, uh, prospects, different things like that, uh, just talking ball all together. And the main thing we wanted to do is just, you know, we everybody it's draft season, so talent is such a big part of everything that we do. We're always looking for the untapped talent, the unknown talent. But there's a – we, we're going to break down uh, probably on our first episode, which is this, this Thursday, uh, just pretty much why we give the name Talent Factor. And uh, so I, I don't want to spoil too much of it, but yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, a lot of college football is running all the way through the season. So just uh, definitely buckle up because we got a lot coming to you. Well, Damien, that's fantastic, man. And congratulations on the show. I also look. Was this your first senior bowl experience? And if so, what was Mobile like for you? Man, it, it was. It was my first senior bowl experience. Um, it was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of work with TDN. Uh, shout out to my boss, Paige. Uh, you know, she told, kind of prepped us, you know, for us being, you know, us newbies. She was like, hey, it's going to be a lot of work, you know, to do. And you're like, okay, yeah, you know, we know it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah, no, it definitely exceeded expectation in terms of what we needed to do, what our itinerary was every day. 
yeah, I don't recall sleeping that much while I was there. Um, but it was it was all good though. You know, when you when you love what you do, it's not like it, it's not work. It's uh, it's it's passion. So um, it was like I said, it was my first experience there. The weather um was probably the worst part of it. Uh, but everybody yeah. told me it was like, hey, you know, it could be thirty five or it could be seventy. It could be cloudy, sunny, or it could be rain. So um, yeah, no, the, the weather was the worst part. Easily uh, did not come completely prepared. Uh, we got rained on on Tuesday. Uh, that was horrible. But uh, other than that, man, like the, the experience overall, just being able to be amongst, you know, scouts, you know, NFL personnel, and, and just the old, like I said, the overall experience was so much fun for me. Um, and then learning a lot while being there, uh, being able to have kind of be like a fly on the wall to hear different things and learn different things about some of these prospects. You know, some you can speak on, some you can't, but. I really enjoyed it, man. I can't wait for next year. It was it was a blast. The whole week was just a lot of fun. We're glad to hear that you had like such an amazing experience. It is my hope that one day I'll get to attend and, you know, join the club because both of you guys have been now. So that's super awesome. But this show is called the QB Factory. And each and every week we talk about what's going down with the QBs and what's relevant to the Philadelphia Eagles. So since you were there, we're going to dive right into it and we're going to touch on each of the different, you know, QB prospects and what you saw from them, you know, what were their strengths, what, what were their weaknesses? So I guess we can kick off with Kenny Pickett, you know, he was one of the biggest, you know, a lot, there was a lot of surrounding hype going into the senior bowl. So what did you see from Pickett? So Pickett pretty much was the, the best way I could put it was even keel in terms of not just his temperament, like he's a really nice kid, really down to earth, just a great person overall. But even with his play, you know, we want, I had him uh, at QB one coming in um, and I wanted to see him because I, I appreciate his skill set, his IQ, his accuracy, his ball placement, but the issues with the hand size did kind of rear his head a little bit, especially on Tuesday with the rain. Uh, typically, and, and you could, and if you, you know, if you were at, you know, at practice or watched the tape, even the receivers took their gloves off because that's how much it rained. Like it was coming down a lot. And my thing was, I wanted to see Pickett take that glove off the hand because I was like, I was going to work for him or in his favor rather with, you know, because that so much precipitation will make those gloves slick. So he had, a, you know, from, you know, the first day, very just kind of smooth, solid, you know, nothing really stood out. Good, good ball placement, good accuracy. Tuesday was a little rougher. You know, it was a little tough practice, you know, like I said, because of the weather, um, not being able to grip the ball. There were times where he wanted to drive it and he pushed, he wanted to push it into some, you know, some and drive the ball like 10 yard windows, but he just couldn't, it wouldn't come out with tight spirals. And at the same time, then when he tried to add too much power, he didn't have enough control. So it was just like, okay, you know, it, it was some, it was kind of interesting to watch. But, and then, you know, day three being, you know, it, was, it didn't rain until maybe later. So it actually could have practice outside, but then there was like a tornado warning. So it kind of worked out perfectly that we were <laughs> indoors, but he looked more comfortable. Uh, he he kind of zipped some passes. Him and Khalil Shakir in the red zone drills, uh, like seven on seven, they had a great connection and he was able to put the ball on the money. And like I said, he was more confident, you know, no, no, weather, no. and that was the weird thing is listening to him at his press conference. He's like, well, when he talked about the hand size. I played in Pittsburgh. I played in rain. I played in sloppy weather. 
And then you saw Tuesday's practice. You're like, uh, you're not ruining yourself, but like, it's a little, you know, it was a little, it made you kind of step back a little and question some things. But overall, I mean, he had a solid week. He was solid in the Saturday too. So for me, he was just, like I say, solid, even keel. Uh, he, he didn't hurt himself, but at the same time, he didn't separate himself either. Damien, a quarterback I'm interested to get your take on is Desmond Ritter. I feel like the evaluation community is kind of all over the place with him. I've seen some people have him as QB1. I've seen some people say that, look, maybe in the second round, I might not touch him until the third. I feel like everybody is all over the place with Ritter. Where are you on him, and how did he do down in Mobile? Um, so with Ritter, his first day was rough, uh, inaccurate, you know, kind of erratic ball placement just everywhere. And Tuesday uh, at the breakfast, uh, well, not Tuesday, but Wednesday, second practice, um, at the breakfast, being able to hear him at the press conference when he's talking, you could tell something kind of switched. He was more just calm, cool, collected. He was loose. And now I was telling a lot of the guys that I was around, like one, that's one of the things I wanted to see from him because when I watch him, you put on the SMU tape, you put on uh, Notre Dame or, or even Houston, he played yeah. good football, you know, yeah. accurate ball placement, zip on the ball. He has a really good arm. Like I don't think that's talked about a lot. Like walking by when he's warming up, I could just hear the ball kind of whistle off his hand. And I was like, oh, okay. Like he's got, he's got some juice behind it. And um, so day two in the rain, you know, when I talk about Kenny, because he was on Kenny Pickett's team, those 10-inch hands definitely played the part. He did not look – he looked so comfortable. He the, the weather didn't bother him. He was able to drive throws. He was able to throw it downfield. Of course, yeah, you know, he had um, you know, he had a couple misses or whatever. But to me, he, you know, he, he had one of the better practices of the day on, uh, on, on Wednesday in that rain. And then also, you know, you look at, uh, you know, Thursday back inside. He practiced well also. And, then of course, you look at the game. One of the things I was looking at was just – how he ran that offense. Remember, they're running that Jet-style offense. And he he took yep. the coaching. He did and executed the way that they wanted, took what the defense gave him. You know, if it was a first-level read, second-level read, or even a third-level read, he took what was open. And, um, and, like, he got more confident as the week went on. Um, like I said, a lot of it, like you talked about, it, the consensus on him is scattered, right? It's like throwing darts at a barn. Like, it's hitting every – single area right now for Desmond Ritter. Me, I do like Desmond Ritter in at the in the second round. Um if it's a team like you think about a team like the Detroit Lions that have two first round picks, someone draft them at the back of the first, I don't mind it. Mainly because you got to think about the contract wise, right? So yeah, some people are lower on him, but if he comes in year two and he starts and he has a good rookie year, then his his second, you know, his next year is a good year. Like you you have that flexibility contract wise with that fifth year option where you trapped him in the second or third much shorter contract he outplays it now you're kicking out money a lot sooner and we all know mark you know as being one of the qb guys his best your best chances to win is when they're on the rookie deal so you know i think that's that's where i am with him um he's a talented guy dual threat guy and that's one of the things i really want to see for me, I want him to get with a coach that's going to encourage him to use his legs. You know, I feel that sometimes he's too uptight. He's thinking too much, and he's a little, like, just he's not reactive, right? So it's like he's he's trying to just be that pure pocket passer. I'm like, dude, you, you're probably running four, five, four, six. Like, you can move. 
use that. You know, that that's your trump card. When they play man-to-man, okay, that's fine. Like, I'm going to get this 15, 20 yards and keep my offense on schedule if you have my guys locked up, locked up downfield. So uh, that's my main thing with him is just uh, working on his uh, footwork as well. He kind of get elongated in his stride in the pocket, uh, which can cause some some inaccuracy and erratic throws. But when he's on, he's on. Like, when, he, when, he, when everything is just clicking and that upper body and lower body are mirrored, he can throw and throw it accurately. And when he's confident and he trusts everything that's going on, and he's loose. Like, that's when you see Desmond Ritter at his best. And I want to see that consistently, especially going into this draft. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This uh, next young man that we're going to touch on, we talked about last week how he com- he reminds us a little bit of Jalen Hurts, another player with dual threat, uh, Malik Willis. And he finished the senior bowl two of four for 11 yards, but he did rush for 54 yards on four carries. So from what you saw from him, we kind of know what his strengths are, but what would you say are the areas that he needs to improve? Um, Footwork, you know, um, mainly in – Footwork and being in NFL, like more pro concepts. At Liberty, there wasn't a ton of that. Um, I, I lied to you know, because I had to study one of his receivers. I would, I swear I saw the fake screen, fake bubble screen pump 
concept at least four times a game, like just repetitive. And, you know, that's not, you know, because that's tip, typically it's a two-man read, like a two-guy read. So you're not going to flip back backside to find the third guy. So for me, it's just, you know, and he showed that he showed the mental aptitude to take the coaching from Dan Campbell and, and, and those guys uh, and just watch. I was watching very closely on day two because pretty much at TDN, we spread out and we had position groups. Day two, I had quarterbacks and that was what I was watching in the rain, watching how these guys kind of like handle coaching, how they handle the rain, how they handle the wet NFL football. And he handled it perfectly. Uh, like I said, one thing with him is when his shoulders are square, he's, he's on and he's accurate. And, for a guy that didn't take many snaps under center, Mark, I will tell you, I was very impressed with his drop back, with his footwork. It was very clean, mm-hmm. um, especially after day one. Day one, uh, to shout out my guy Joe Marino, he said, to quote him, he had the best, the five best throws and then the five worst throws on the first day of practice. So it was just like, you know, you could tell he was a little little uptight, a little just kind of juiced. Um, and then day two came around, and it was like, like I said, listening to him at his press conference, same thing, just calm, cool. And you can kind of feel like, okay, he's he knows what he needs to do when he goes out to practice today. And I saw everything I wanted to see. Like, in that rain, he threw ropes. Like, the arm talent is unreal. Like, he threw ropes, clean footwork, I, you know, good pocket presence, reading the defense, finding the guy. Not, not only just that, but – being able to control the, the line of scrimmage. And that was like, and that's not something you typically saw at Liberty. Was, if I remember correctly, they're kind of a check me type of offense, like looking to yeah. the sideline, looking for signals, things like that. He's coming to the line of scrimmage and he's reading what he's seeing pre-snap, communicating with his offensive line, checking protections. He had full control after day one, especially after day one. You can hear his cadence. He was com- He was confident, comfortable. I loved every minute of watching him uh, there, like I said, the main things for him: consistency with his with his body, with his footwork, making sure everything is the same. Uh, he because he, he tends to he tends to have like a little bit of a heel click uh, at times. So when he drops back and he's trying to you know shuffle up into the pocket, his heels click and his, he doesn't get enough a wide enough base, and then his, his accuracy is kind of off. So a lot of things I tweeted this out you know earlier today. It's for when I'm looking at prospects, not just quarterbacks, but all prospects. What can what can you do? What can't you do? What can I coach you? What can I coach you? If it's technical, like with Malik and Ritter, I can coach you to that. We can work on that in practice. We can work on that in training camp and mini camp. Get with a QB trainer, QB coach, and work on these things. Muscle memory. We can we can deal with that. Uh, but if you know, trying to tell. Tom Brady to run the four three. I can't coach you to do that, bro. Like I cannot do right. that. Like that's impossible. So it's like you know, it's all about what you can, you know, what you can and can't coach. And Malik, after like I said, after day one, he was the best quarterback, and it wasn't even close in Mobile. Damien, I feel like as we see every draft cycle, there's a quarterback that starts off at the top of the board in the summer, and then by like October, we're like we're done with him. We don't care about him anymore. And this year, Sam Howell was certainly that guy. He had the three picks against Virginia Tech in the season opener. And everybody was just kind of like, all right, you know what? I'm done. Did Howell have any – did he do anything this past week to sort of move back into contention for QB1? Or do you think he's sort of slid out of the first round at this point? Sam was – Sam was solid all week. 
You know, um, he showed the the arm strength, the arm talent to drive throws, um, and he, he showed that he he throws a nice uh, nice pretty deep ball. And you know, of course, being in practice, they're they're not running a lot, but we've seen that this year. Something we didn't really see early in his career at, at North Carolina that he has some wheels. Like he can go, like he can scoot and, and and make big, not just, you know, get the occasional first down. Like he can get 20 yards downfield. Uh, he's got those type of wheels and which was, I was pleasantly surprised actually. So like for me watching him this week um, and I said in, in my, when I ranked the QBs through practice, he, he had some good throws. And then when he missed, he, he missed. So it was like for him, it's more so just consistency. I think he's a guy that really could benefit from sitting at least a year um, yeah. and like just kind of work on some different things. Uh, he didn't have the best O-line at North Carolina. Like they, they were, you know, inconsistent themselves. And then he lost your top four, like legit your top four weapons. Like that's difficult to come back from. And, you know, him and the young receiver downs were able to build and have some magic in moments this year. But Samuel is a guy that I think, for me, I'm thinking third round right now. I, I will be really comfortable with him third round. Get him behind an established starter. Let him just kind of sit, hold the clipboard, learn, work on his game. And that's one of the biggest things for me. People people call Josh Allen a, an anomaly, basically, at how he developed. And I always talk about when, when players do not have to worry about the offense they're running, you can go in the offseason and work on your game. But when you're Baker Mayfield, Tua Tungavailoa, and you're going into the offseason, you're like, I'm about to learn a whole nother offense. I can't focus on getting my muscle memory down. I can't focus on getting becoming a truly truly becoming a better player because I need to make sure I know this playbook by, by the time training camp gets around and know these new weapons that come in and things like that. So, you know, get him into a system. I mean, I look at you look at a team like New Orleans, you know, if Jameis wants to come back or something like that, like Sam just needs to sit for me. Um, and, and like I said, and just work on some of those inconsistencies. Uh, his throwing motion, and Mark, you probably can speak to it, but I can't. His throwing motion is a little, I don't know, it, it's a little weird to me. Like the way he winds it up, it's a little different. So I kind of yeah. want to see him kind of tighten that up maybe a little bit because um, to bring the ball down because he does have a tendency to kind of sail them. But other than that, like, he, like I said, he had a solid week. He didn't really move the needle much, but he was solid. I wanted you to touch a little bit on Carson Strong. What you observed from him as a skill set, like from the skill set, but also like character traits. Like what did you pick up from him just being around them? Like what were people saying about him? With Strong, like skill-wise – so coming into to the senior bowl, I was excited to see Strong because Strong was a guy that I saw a lot of takes on Twitter about him being QB1, right? And a lot of clips over and over again, the same same throws. Like, man, you know, and he has a good arm. I watched the tape myself, and I'm like, okay, this kid can sling it. Well, you know, being I was un, I left Mobile just really disappointed and underwhelmed with his performance overall. Um, he didn't truly operate the Jets' offense to a T. There were times where – he should have checked it down, took the underneath route, and he wanted to push it. He wanted to throw it downfield and kind of buck what was going on, and, and he threw some YOLO balls. And one thing that I noticed was, honestly, the knee. He did not drive a lot of throws off that knee. And, you know, if you go back to the practice tape, he threw some deep balls. As a matter of fact, even in the game, he threw a deep ball. He had Romeo Dubs wide open. 
you know, had the guy stacked, it was completely underthrown. And that was kind of a theme this week, I mean, last week for him, where the, the arm talents you saw on tape didn't really translate in person. You know, he on, I think it was Thursday, the final practice, he did have some really good throws, and especially in the red zone. Uh, we had a, a, he had a throw on an out route to uh, Khalil Shakir, which was a complete throw. It was a beautiful throw. And even though, when I went back and watched the clip, he still didn't drive off the knee. Um, on Tuesday, on uh, Wednesday, the second practice, I started. I was watching him when he was because he struggled on Wednesday. The rain surprisingly got to him where he has nine and a half inch hands. I thought he was going to be, you know, he would be okay, but he, he's like his first three passes were all incomplete. He were he was erratic in terms of his ball placement at times. He was overthrowing guys like quick hitches were going over the receivers' heads. He got really frustrated. And one of the things we always talk about is body language, right? So. Watching his body language was a little bit concerning to me because I was like, okay, you see Malik where, you know, you look at Malik, okay, he made a bad throw. He goes back to the huddle. And matter of fact, it was a instance where he started practice on, I think it's on day two and his, or day one to day two. And his first couple of throws were high. Malik was like, okay, you can see him kind of talking to himself. Went back. His next three throws were right between the numbers. They were all, you know, short intermediate comeback routes and he put them right on the money so his body language never got down even when he did have those rough moments unlike Carson Strong what I saw you know um just kind of ex- expletive and just being frustrated with himself uh on the field and you know some of the things you know I heard like you know he and I, I remember listening to him I was kind of hovering around um he he kind of almost had an agenda like he came there and I, I remember this vividly. He said that he wanted to prove that he's not a statue. So he wanted to show people he can move. Be honest with you guys, that didn't go as planned because um, he he's not a runner, you know? And it was just like, instead of coming in, trying, I, I live by this, by this mantra. I don't want to prove anyone wrong. I want to prove myself right. So if he came in and just operated the offense, show his ball placement, be accurate, be the intelligent quarterback that we've all heard because he he mastered the air raid offense. I think he would have been just fine, but he came in with an agenda to kind of prove people wrong. And that kind of backfired, you know, and it was just kind of like, okay, you're not really running the offense to a T like the rest of Pickett and, and Ritter are doing. They're taking the coaching. They're doing what is asked. You're trying to chuck YOLO balls and, Go deep, and I think he threw one, and like literally, and this was a theme. A lot of his passes, they were really high arcing, so they would go high in the air and then die on the way down. He threw one in a double coverage. You got safety, safety over the top with a corner in the receiver's hit pocket. I had no idea why he threw the, why he made that decision, but I'm just like, okay, these aren't like that was a little concerning to see you come in, and, and it was funny because while he had that stance, Malik Willis was like. I do hear the noise. I do know. He said, listen, some people hate us, hate me. You know, some people don't think I'm good. Some people think I'm great. I truly don't care. Like, I'm just going to play ball and be me. And that's how I felt like Carson should have should have had, right? Like, you're 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 trying to – you want to pretty much put all the, the questions to bed about, you know, your knee, about you being able to be mobile. Instead, just come in and play your game. And if he comes in and plays his game, you're fine. He didn't do that. And like we literally saw the the negative impact that it had on his practices and even in the game. So it was just like, okay, you you kind of open a can of worms of questioning who Carson Strong is and 
what can he really do? You know, as a from a skill set standpoint, what kind of offense can he run? Like, will, is he does he is he a guy that needs to run for air raid, or can he adapt and take what's given to him, play in the West Coast type style offense and different things like that? Like we saw, Mac Jones, Mac Jones isn't the most talented quarterback, but he's able to orchestrate the offense as planned, and that's what we wanted to see from Carson. We just did not. Bailey Zappi put up video game numbers, Sam Houston State, Western Kentucky. How did he look last week? And in this weird draft class of quarterbacks, is there a, a, a window where Zappi on like day three is almost a better move than one of these guys, say, round one, round two? Zappi was somebody I didn't do a deep dive in pr- prior to coming into the week, but I had to see him because I heard a lot about him, saw his numbers, and I was like, okay, let's see what, what he uh, brings to the table. Good ball placement. He's a confident kid. He's got short-term memory, which I like. Uh, he nearly threw – he had he threw a pick. Well, it should have been a pick. The, the linebacker dropped it, uh, but he came right back, and he just kept slinging. He kept putting the ball out there. Uh, he trusts himself. He has a he has a, a good arm. I won't say it's elite or great, but he has a good arm. He throws with good touch timing and accuracy downfield. Uh, there was one throw I really loved in practice where he threw a wheel up to uh, Damian Pierce, and it was a beautiful throw on the money. Uh, but this, the linebacker made a great play, you know, better defense. Uh, Damian competed, but, you know, like I said, the linebacker was there. Um, Zappi, the one thing I, that, I, it was, uh, that I noticed with him, he had a tendency to kind of lock on the reads. Uh, even the seven on sevens, that's something I really pay attention to. When you don't have a pass rush and you can kind of be comfortable, I want to see you use eye manipulation, move guys out of the windows, create bigger throwing lanes for yourself. But he had a tendency to kind of lock on the one guy, uh, the guy he, he basically the guy he was kind of pre like almost before the snap, he was predetermined where he wanted to go with the football. Um, but he is a solid guy. I, for me, I look at him kind of a Almost like the kid in Washington, uh, Taylor, Taylor Heineke. Heineke, yeah. Um, he, he could be kind of a spot starter. Uh, yeah, he could kind of be a spot starter, a guy that you can he, – he'll be a good backup. You know, he'll know the offense. Uh, you know, keep your – especially if you have a – you know, if you have a, a starting quarterback and he gets hurt, you can feel comfortable with Zappy. I just don't – like he the, the upside isn't hot with him. When you look at, you know, someone like Howell – you know, he doesn't have the Malik Willis upside, the Desmond Ritter upside, but with his dual throw ability, he can create explosive plays in the run game and has the arm to make the explosive passing game as well. So that's the only, that's the only thing with Bizappi. He doesn't have that type of uh, ceiling, but I think he'll be a good pro and, and, and someone that will have a, a decent career. Um, and I, but I think he's more of a day three kind of backup. So looking at all of these guys that we've just talked about, would you say that any of them are an upgrade for the Eagles? So I will say, you know, Jalen Hurts um, is a good young quarterback. The, the question I have is what's his ceiling, right? So I look at the traits. Does he have that A elite trait, that trump card? He's a good runner. He's a physical runner. And he has some good, good footwork in open field. But he doesn't have that elite arm. Um, he's an intelligent kid. But when I look at, for me, with looking at what this, what you guys have on offense, I would be remiss. I would be lying if I didn't say I would rather have a Malik Willis because the ceiling is so high with Malik. The arm strength is there, you know. And that was one of the biggest things we all, all of us wanted to see how he would perform in Mobile. 
Because you look at, you know, and this is no disrespect to that Liberty roster, but a lot of those guys are probably not draftable prospects, to be completely honest. So you have a below-average offensive line, below-average receiving core, and then you throw them in Mobile with a good offensive line, you know, some talent at receiver, at the receiver position at the tight end. And he, looked, he looked like a much better, much better quarterback. And then being able to take on the coaching, I remember reading the quote from Mark Brunel about how they installed the swing uh, concept. He had to go from basically left to right, go through four of his reads. If the guy's open, you hit him. If not, you come back down to the swing. And it was basically detailed as a new concept for him. And that speaks to the offense at Liberty. That speaks to what they run. It's very gimmicky. It's very tempo-based. Hey, you know, Malik, use your legs, win his games. Not really worried about, you know, pro concepts and developing you. When I look at this young man, and his character is through the roof. Incredible kid. Incredible. Just humble, down to earth, as nice as they come. Uh, he'll speak to anyone. He'll dap anybody up if you see him walking. Uh, he's very low-key. You know, he kept the hood on. He's not really, you know, uh, not, not trying to get the spotlight or anything like that. He just stayed to himself. Um, but I crossed his path a few times in Mobile. And he, he's just a really, you can tell, like, in his leadership. The guys on his team gravitated to him. He had full control of the offense, full control of the huddle. And like I said, looking at his ceiling, you think – I know it's, it may sound like blasphemy, right? We Remember the game a couple weeks ago, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. You see arm talent, the off-platform throws, the things that only God can give you in terms of phys, physical ability, right? Malik has those type of traits. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a kid that – so looking at the Zebra technology, and this was from practice – and he never really opened, like, fully hit full speed in practice. But he did have a run where he broke up the middle. The pocket collapsed on the outside. He just took off. He charted amongst all, you know, offensive players eighth with 20.58 miles per hour, you know, running. And he still didn't – Oh, you didn't see the full stride open up either. So he's probably around a 21-and-a-half miles per hour type of guy. Like, the top guy was, like, 22 and some change. So that lets you know his his like Jalen Hurts can move, but Malik Willis has that type of ability to where it's not just a 15 yard run. It's gonna be a 50, which we saw, we kind of saw that in the game where things broke down. He's looking down feeling he's like, you know what? Nobody's open. I'ma just take it myself and nearly scores before the half. So with his arm talent, because his arm is his arm is legit. Like being there on Thursday, there was a throw. To one of the tight, I can't remember what the tight, which tight end it was. He he drove it to him, and you could just hear a thud. Like tight end tried to catch it with his pads, you could hear it. It, it was loud, and I was like, okay, like, and, and it just it zings off his arm. And even going back to the Virginia Tech game in 2020, him like rolling out on one, almost on one leg, and he just wings it down the sideline. And, and it's just the the arm talent, the physical ability, and then you take being creative with him and offensively, you could do the same things you do with Jalen Hurts with this young man. But he gives you, to me, the, the ceiling as a passer is much, much higher. So if I don't think you guys even make a move at quarterback. You know, stick with Jalen. Continue to, you have three first-round picks. I'm all about building, getting, getting some blue-chip players, whether it's offensively you added like a, another receiver to pair with, you know, uh, Goddard and, and, and uh, Watkins and Smitty. Or, you know, as well as adding an edge rusher, 
with this talented group that we have, and somebody's gonna someone's bound to fall. Jermaine Johnson's gonna push someone down the board with yeah. the way he did in Mobile last week. So then you think about you know whether Kyle Hamilton falls and you're able to snag him and or uh, you know Sauce Gardner or you know whoever. I feel like go ahead and use those three first round picks, unless it's Russell Wilson that comes available, or Rogers said, you know what, I want to come to Philly. Like you keep those picks, you build this defense of this team up, and because my I'm I'm of the thought process when it comes to the young quarterbacks, I want to give you everything I can, so when if you fail, you can't blame us. Like you know what I mean? Like you look at Miami, have not given to an offensive line. Uh, the run game is non-existent. He has one good receiver, and it was like, how can you judge a guy when you haven't given him much, right? So I'd rather let's go ahead and build. Let's take away any and every excuse. Hurts played well last year. He, you know, and, and I see the progression with him. So can he keep that up in 2022? If so, can definitely be feel comfortable with him going forward. But if he kind of starts to teeter, where it's more inconsistency and raises more questions. Then you head in the 2023's draft with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, Phil Jerkovic, um, you know, Spencer Rattler. All these, this, this class is going to be pretty deep if all the kids that are projected to come out do declare. So you have options for sure. But, um, but uh, yeah, I, I would definitely stick with, like I said, Malik. If you were going to make a move, that's the only quarterback I would take uh, to sit behind and possibly replace Hurts. But to be honest with you, I would, I would stick with Hurts and build up this team. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We really, really appreciate it. Like we mentioned earlier, guys, make sure that you check out his new podcast that's coming out, The Talent Factory. Check him out on Twitter. Where can they find you on Twitter? DP underscore NFL. Uh, like I said, I'm a national scout pretty much for the Draft Network. I also am a staff writer uh, for the Revenge of the Birds, covering the Cardinals for SB Nation. So I have a lot of draft uh, coverage coming for them too since they're out of the playoffs. And, you know, all the Kyler stuff's going on. I'm not really feeding into that. I'm not writing about that. But, um, you know, I don't really think anything's going to come of it. But nonetheless, you know, it's, it's a lot this, this offseason for the Cardinals. Will be exciting, none regardless of what happens. But yeah, definitely follow me. Like I said, the talent factor will be up. I will post the link once it is live. We will be recording our first episode this Thursday. So just stay tuned, guys. But thank you guys for listening. Make sure we're going to take a little break after this week. So we'll be back in a few weeks, but we're not forgetting about you guys. We're going to get you guys through the rest of this offseason. Mark, do you have any last words? Just my usual two. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. <laughs>
from data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.